WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Like I mentioned at show's beginning, the Penguins shouldn't feel so bad about losing to Washington. The very likely champions and a team that hit its stride at exactly the right time, much like the Penguins did in 16 and 17. Some of their players are on fire, especially Evgeny Kuznetsov, who has 31 points. In fact, Kuznetsov's 31 points are tied for second most in a single playoff over the last 20 years. Tied with Sidney Crosby in 2009 and trailing only Evgeny Malkin also in 2009, who had an incredible 36 points in those playoffs. The point is the Penguins have done some amazing things in the Crosby-Malkin era, so instead of bitching about Murray and bitching about Latang and bitching about Kessel and Broussard and whoever, and oh my God, how can we not win three cups in a row? Because is that my birthright as a Pittsburgher? Maybe consider everything the Penguins have accomplished since Sid arrived in 2005 and shut the frig up with your bitching because the Penguins' resume compares favorably to every NHL team's resume in the same time span. Of course, that advice, the no bitching, does not apply to me because I got three hours to fill every day. Sick Again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, it really is outstanding, isn't it? In the Sid Malkin era, the Pens have three cups. Another appearance in the final, another appearance in the conference final, and have appeared in the playoffs in each of the last 12 seasons. The only team that really compares in that same time frame is Chicago, the Blackhawks. And certainly the Penguins have done way better than any other team in Pittsburgh. As I talked about briefly yesterday, and I'm working on a column for the Trib about this, if the Penguins hadn't won cups in 16 and 17, they'd probably be trying to trade Evgeny Malkin right now. They'd probably be looking to reload for the future because the present hadn't panned out the way they'd hoped. But it has panned out the way they'd hoped, and even though trading Malkin to reload right now, might strictly speaking, be the best thing to do for the long run. Like Bumbuli said, you got to do everything for right now, right now. That that's how it pans out when you've won two cups in the last three years, and and the window is still open. Now, by not reloading, when the window slams shut, it will slam shut right on your fingers. But then again, finishing last has always been uh, quite a help to this club. Finish middle, draft middle, stay middle. Just ask the Philadelphia Flyers. 412-333-9939. It is weird, isn't it? Seeing the Capitals this close to winning the Cup. Never thought I'd see it. But, you know, when you look, again, as I said earlier, when they came in the league, they won eight games their first year in 74-75. Maybe this is justice. I'm not saying the Capitals got a free pass to the Stanley Cup final, but looking back, I can't believe the expansion rules were that liberal. Then again, they paid what? Twice as much? Three times as much in uh, entry fee than any previous team joining the NHL. 
when the Penguins joined in 1966, I believe today is the 51st, 52nd anniversary of all that. The Penguins officially being accepted into the league. Or maybe it was uh, maybe 67. No, it had to have been 66 because they would have needed a year's preparation to prepare for the 67-68 season. But the Penguins paid $2 million bucks. Now, $2 million bucks was a lot of money back then, but uh, but uh, Vegas just paid above and beyond. And yeah, they deserved what they got, although they got more than anybody ever dreamed they would. Here's another tweet. Tommy says, you should keep talking politics on your show. I'm sure it's great for ratings. Uh, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking NFL. Just like Trump is using the NFL to, to, to try to serve his political agenda, but but it, it's bled over into my business, so yeah, I'm going to talk about it. And I always love it when people say, well, you know, your ratings are going to... I've been the top guy in town for 22 years in sports, and you know why? Because I've never cared about ratings. And, and I just go out there and say what I think unvarnished all the time. That's what works. That's what works. All the people on the B team... Wherever in town, playing it safe, they make a lot less than me, have a lot less listeners than me, and they don't live in a big house on the big side of town. Let's go to Kenny and Turtle Creek. Kenny, you're on with Double M. Mark, what's up? What up? Yeah, this whole Eagles thing is very annoying. You know, the reason I watch sports in the first place is for escapism, to escape the monotony and drudgery of my everyday life. And it sucks that everything in this country now is politicized. Yeah, too bad. Uh, don't watch. Well, I, I mean, this, everybody says that the players shouldn't kneel because you, Kenny, and Turtle Creek, it spoils your viewing experience. Here's a better idea. Let's get rid of the injustice in America for minorities, and then the players won't have to kneel. What do you think? Well, that's a very fair point. Because, um, Kenny, honestly, in the big picture, no one gives a dump whether you're happy about it or not. I certainly don't. Oh, of course not. I'm a nothing. I'm a peon. Uh, well, no, no, to... no. You're, you're one heck of a slouch, Kenny. But, but, uh, but you know, you know I, I understand your frustration, but, but I also think you should understand there's a bigger picture. Well, I guess there is. Can I talk about the Capitals? Of course. Uh, you know, there's there's part of me that's rooting for Washington. You know, like as a Penguins fan, I hate the Rangers, I hate the Flyers, and I hate the Islanders. Why but, do you hate the Islanders? Oh, because of 93 and David Volek. That's an awful long time ago. What about 75 and Ed Westfall? What about 81 and John Tonelli? You're right, I hate the Islanders. Effort. Yeah, you just you just proved my point. I, I, you did. I did. We all did. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, we beat up on Washington. What are we like nine and two all time against them in playoff series? Yeah, some ridiculous advantage. And I know what you mean. I don't mind seeing Ovi win it at all. How about okay? Ovi's a worthy winner. Uh, now the the porn chick who thinks she's a sports chick, but she's a porn chick, and. Uh, the uh, ESPN uh, lady who's a weather girl now, something like that. Uh, I don't want to see them win it. But, you know, after they do win it, the porn chick still won't be a sports chick. She'll be a porn chick. 
And the weather girl will still be working in Des Moines or wherever. I don't know exactly where. I've kind of lost track. When you disappear from the public eye, it's easy to, you know, uh, not keep tabs. How about this analogy? Uh, I view the Capitals as like sort of a big brother. And, you know, we, we've beat on them and beat on them and beat on them for so many years. And it's like finally they've won the game of horse. You know what I mean? They, they've no, no, I, I have no idea what you mean, but thank you for the call, Kenny. Let's go to Jimmy in Upper St. Clair. Jimmy, remember on that 70s show when when they were playing horse, but Fez thought it was whore because he got to H-O-R? That was a heck of an episode. Let's go to Jimmy in Upper St. Clair. Jimmy, you're on with Mark. Hi, how are you doing, Mr. Madden? I just have a couple questions for you. Do you think Coach Clint Hurdle is doing a good job with the Pittsburgh Pirates this season? Well, he's a manager. No, I don't think he's doing a good job. My next question is, do you think you could outcoach him in a baseball game? No, because that would mean watching baseball every day, and I have no desire to do that. All right. Thank you, Mr. Madden. Have a great day. But I would play my best players every day. That I would do. Actually, you know what I'd do? I'd either... Play my best players every day, or I'd commit totally to analytics. The Pirates use analytics, but then Hurdle plays a hunch, which totally negates the percentages. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to talk to Stan Saverin. I want to keep talking about this, this Eagles thing. I mean, Don Henley, Joe Walsh, they didn't go to the White House either. That's how committed the Eagles are. Timothy B. Schmidt, all of them, to not showing up. But, but like, Chris Long just talked about how terrible it was that Fox showed Eagles players kneeling in prayer on TV and misrepresented that as Eagles players kneeling during the National Anthem. The agenda serving, the manipulation of patriotism, it's just so unbelievable. And I'll tell you what. Chris Long gave his entire salary last year to charity. He played for free. Chris Long's done more for this country positive than Donald Trump ever has. Chris Long should be president. I trust him more than I do this buffoon. 412-333-9939. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. DX at 105.9. Uh, okay, we got this figured out. It was on this date in 1967, 51 years ago, that the Penguins paid their $2 million expansion fee and officially became members of the National Hockey League. That means the Penguins only had four months from uh, submitting that check to prepare for their first National Hockey League season. So no wonder they finished fifth out of six teams in the Western Division. It should be noted that every team in the Western Division, the expansion division, submitted their check on the very same day. The Penguins uh, missed the playoffs their second year as well. But in their third year, they finished second in the division and lost in the uh, conference final to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Michelle Briere was a rookie that year. He had a great season. Uh, really was a... Fantastic performer in the playoffs, especially in a first-round sweep of the Oakland Seals. But uh, then he got killed in a car wreck, and the Penguins had to dig out for a bit. Did not make the playoffs the next year. 
uh, did make him the year after, and uh, again, just kind of a litany of up and down until Mario showed up. And after that, things went pretty good. So the Penguins, members of the NHL, officially uh, 51 years ago today. Interesting comments from JB saying that uh, there's a 35% chance that Kessel will be traded, which means it's very likely he'll be a Penguin next season. And I agree that the Penguins should keep Kessel. They're a better team with Kessel. But how badly does Sullivan want to get rid of him? And, and I know the Penguins don't like it when this is said, but, you know, honestly, too bad. The only reason they would even consider trading Kessel is because Mike Sullivan doesn't want to coach him. So it's a player's team, not a coach's team, and I respect Sully. He's one of the best coaches we've had around here in a long, long time, as evidenced by his results. But Sully got to learn to work with guys who help the team. And honestly, look at Kessel's point of view because Kessel should not deal in absolutes when he campaigns to play with Malkin, but he should play with Malkin. And like JB said, not 100% of the time, it depends on matchups, depends on how Broussard's going. But last uh, in these last playoffs, these past playoffs, when Broussard's playing hurt, he's on the fourth line. If you're going to put Kessel on the third line with Riley Shan or on a line with Evgeny Malkin, for me, that's not even a choice. That's just common sense. Riley Shan is not good enough for Phil Kessel to play with. Period. Not good enough for Phil Kessel to skate five on five with. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, you know what I've been looking for? I can't find it. Allegedly, 10 Eagles were going to go to the White House out of the entire 53-man roster. 10 Eagles. And I can't seem to find the names of those who were going to go. I'm sure they're out there somewhere. I'm also just assured they'd rather not be identified. Not because they find it embarrassing, but that kind of you know makes them a target, doesn't it, uh, in, in today's divided America? But I have learned one thing. The mascot was definitely going to go. And for a clown act like that whole day would have been, it would have been good to have the guy in the bird costume show up. Uh, you know, Trump still had a, a, little, a little to do today at the White House because the Eagles not going isn't going to spoil that guy's party. So we had something that, that basically showed patriotism. And at this display of patriotism, they played a whole bunch of patriotic songs, which uh, harkens back to a time in this world when it was made a great show of playing patriotic songs and waving the flag and whatnot. Don't be stupid. You know when. And when it came, came time to play God Bless America, Trump didn't know the words. They were singing God Bless America and Trump didn't know the words. And that is really all the people need to know. Let's go to Will in the truck. Will, you're on with Double M. What's going on, Double M? What up, Will? Well, I was just calling thinking about uh, the, the players and their right to protest, and uh, I agree with it 100%. Okay, they want to protest, that's fine. But maybe instead of protesting about the fact that 
people are, it's, it's about a race issue. Maybe it's about we hire really, really stupid, stupid people to be police. To be what? Maybe we hire really stupid people to be police, and this is less of a race issue than it's made out to be. No, it, bro, it, it, goodbye. It's a race issue. Give me a break. Let's go to Gary in Wexford. Gary, you're on with Mark. <laughs> Hi, Mark. What up? Um, I think uh, it was good what, what Colin Kaepernick started. I think it got attention to this subject. I'm, I'm glad that people are paying attention to it. But all I ever hear people say is we have to stop it. I don't ever hear anybody talk about how we stop it. That's what I'd like well, to Well, you know how you can stop it, and thank you for it. the call. Make it a condition of employment. You can make it a condition of employment and tell them they can't kneel. They haven't done that. They created a policy that's just one giant loophole because they're scared of Trump. F Trump. They need to say, go F yourself. Let me tell you what. Football's bigger than the president in this country. Football needs to realize that. Presidents come and go. The NFL is forever. Seriously. When the Steelers are playing well, we, we don't even know who the president is around here. Quick, tell me who the mayor was the last time the Steelers won the Super Bowl. You don't remember, but you can remember the stats from that game. Up next, we'll talk to the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's Dan Saverin on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jor-El. Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um... Always great to hear from the lady callers. DX at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. I'm delighted, as always, to talk to Stan Saverin. Stan, the Pirates have lost 12 of 16. They open a series at home with L.A. tonight. Where does their season go from here? Well, I mean, I think their season, such as it is, kind of hangs in the balance here. Uh, I frankly think it's headed where I thought it would go, a team that would hover around 500, uh, primarily below 500. Um, And so I think this is probably, ultimately, what you get. I mean, baseball is the truest test. Six months, 162 games, um, you don't fool people. There aren't many accidents. Um, So when they were nine over, uh, I think that they were – a bit overinflated. I don't think they're as bad to lose 12 out of 16. Every team kind of goes through those stretches. But I think things will settle out. And right now, it's kind of like one of those levels you use to measure a wall. The bubble sits where it's probably going to sit. Let me uh, highlight some frustrating issues. A, the bullpen in general. B, uh, Vasquez in particular. If the bullpen was even average, Stan, the Pirates have three or four more wins. And when you look at all the relievers available, not even with teams right now, how can they not have a better bullpen than this? Well, it's surprising because, you know, they built their bullpen from the back end out. Um, and based on what we saw of Vasquez, uh, Rivero, in the year and a half that he'd been here, you thought that they really had themselves a guy who was locked down. I mean, he was tremendous last year. Uh, and, and maybe this is just an aberration. I don't know if it's physical. They thought for a while it was. Um, there's some apparently evidence that he's been tipping his pitches, whatever. Um, if the closer's bad, the rest of your bullpen can't be good enough to compensate for that because ultimately he's the one saving the game. The Bermuda Triangle here is that in general the starters don't get deep enough into games to fully advantage, take advantage of a good bullpen and the setup. People, by and large, 
have been bad. Uh, Crick hasn't been terrible. Um, Santan hasn't been terrible. But Feliz has been, certainly recently. Uh, and so they really haven't clicked in any phase. The starting pitching, sometimes good, but very inconsistent. Uh, Feliz um, has uh, been really poor most of the time. Uh, and so the setup people haven't been consistent. And the closer has been very unreliable. There you go. Why does Sean Rodriguez play so much, Stan, and and start so much too? That's, I have no answer for you. You know, we talked about that. I mean, I, I'm in total agreement. Uh, I think it's okay to have him on your team, but every time there's an opening in the lineup, that doesn't mean that he's the one who has to fill the opening. Um, his defense has been poor. Generally, uh, it's been good. I think he is a good leader on that club. They're sorely lacking in that, but he does get too much playing time. You do need somebody who can play shortstop. That's the big thing. Uh, but at this point, given what they pay him, given his age, and given, you know, they're not going to win the division. They're not going to make the playoffs. And I could have told you that in March. Then I look at a guy like Matt Moroff, Max Moroff. He's certainly not great. Don't get me wrong. But he can play the middle infield. He's got a little pop in his back. He's not a great player. Uh, he probably won't be on the team in a year or two, but he's at least as good an option as Rodriguez. They have plenty of guys who can play first, who can play third. The one issue that they don't have is someone who can play shortstop. I mean, you can't play Mercer every single inning of every single game. But right now, when you stop and look, since he had a career year, I'm talking about Rodriguez, in 2016, where he hit uh, 270 and he had uh, 18 home runs. Um, since then, his career average, those last two and a half seasons, is 165. So it's not just a bad year this year, it's a trend. He's 34, 35 years old. Stan, uh, Polanco's in the lineup tonight. Marte is out. Shouldn't Meadows, Marte, and Dickerson be the outfield every night, at least for the time being? I don't know about every night. I mean, I think there are times when you look at a guy's matchup against a certain pitcher and say, the other day, Marte didn't play because he, I think, I don't remember if it was the Walker game. It might have been another one. He was 3-for-21 against that guy. So, okay, so you don't play in that game. But I think when you look at percentages, uh, I think that it ought to be, right now, it ought to be, um, Dickerson and Marte almost all the time, and Meadows decidedly over Polanco. You can work Polanco in, but in terms of priorities, Polanco ought to be fourth until he proves he belongs back in there. Um, you got to give a guy a rest, you know, every now and again. Uh, but but right now, uh, Meadows is certainly a much much bigger priority over Polanco. And, I mean, Dickerson has earned his way into the lineup. He's been their best and most consistent hitter. We know what Marte brings, some negative, mostly positive, but definitely Meadows definitely deserves to be prioritized over Polanco. Now, what's gone right for the Pirates, Dan? What are some bright spots currently? Well, I would say Meadows is a bright spot. Um, I would say Cervelli is outperforming what uh, he has recently. I would say that Moran doesn't look like he's going to be a great player, but it sure looks like he's an adequate guy um, at at third base. Um, Dickerson, clearly. Um, Right now, Corey Dickerson, I know McCutcheon had a big night last night, but right now the Pirates are better off with Corey Dickerson than they were with Andrew McCutcheon. I think Dickerson has exceeded um, all expectations. Actually, Marte has been slightly better than than he was. Uh, Musgrove, we'll see how he pitches tonight. I mean, Musgrove looks like 
He's a keeper, although it's a limited sample size. Uh, we still don't know about Tyone, although his last two starts have been good. Um, those are, are kind of the positives. I'm a little disappointed in Bell. I think there's more there. We've seen more there. Uh, you know, Harrison's given you about what you expected. Same with Jordy Mercer. Um, and right now, I mean, Trevor Williams, Chad Cool. Um, you know, those are guys who are third and fourth starters, and they pitch like it. The attendance is way down, Stan. How will ownership react to that? I'm surprised that's not yet a bigger story most places. Well, I mean, I think everybody expected it. I can't imagine they thought otherwise. I'm sure they're disappointed that people didn't respond to the early um, winning play, but it's going to take a lot more than an early season surge in April uh, to get people not – they're interested. I mean, people are interested, but interest doesn't translate into getting in your car, getting on the tee, and coming down to the ball game. Um, I think people have lost trust with them. I think that they figure that, A, they're not good enough to contend, which is fine. I mean, there are teams that contend for a while, and then they drop off. But the real issue is, and the crux of the problem is, if they do ever get in the position of contending, will they go the extra mile? And the answer has been shown, probably not. At least the people don't believe they will, and that's the trust factor. We're talking to Stan Saverin, the godfather. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Stan, uh, will the Penguins trade Phil Kessel? If not, who will they trade? Do you think that Jim Rutherford feels like a big move is needed? I think he does. Uh, I think he needs, uh, he believes he needs significant improvement um, in several areas. Some of that could be made up by better performance from some of the people that he has. Look, he didn't trade for Derek Broussard to get the results that he got. And I think that he believes there's much more in there. We've seen much more in there. But there are some personnel issues. I think that they definitely need some help on defense. And I was, I was mentioning this. You know, there's a lot of people who talked about the Ryan Reeves trade, and he's playing for Vegas now. Um, I still don't think he was the answer. Uh, if you wanted Derek Broussard, then Ryan Reeves and Ian Cole had to go. But I think in general, I'm not talking about Ryan Reeves. I'm not even talking about, you know, some heavyweight. I think that the team, Mark, needs to be more physical. I don't mean taking people's heads off. I don't mean knocking people into the fifth row of the seats. I do think they need to be more physical defensively, both forwards and defense, and I think that they need to be more aggressive on their forecheck. And I'm looking at the way Washington plays. God, who knows that Washington would become a model for how you play, but they're a very physical team. And that, that's not even talking about Tom Wilson. I'm talking about they've got some guys um, like, you know, Pelly, um, certainly Oshie. I mean, guys who play with a bit more of an edge. Uh, the Penguins are a fast team. It doesn't mean you have to give up that speed. I think that they need to play with more physicality. And again, I'm not talking about fighting. I'm not talking about elbowing people on the head. I am talking about being tougher on checks. I am talking about wearing people down with your shoulders, not only your speed. And I think, you know, in a perfect world, if you could find a Rick Tockett, I know that you don't find those guys on trees, but guys who play with a bit more physicality. Zach Aston Reese, you know, might be that guy. But when you, you know, got the size of guys like Rust, who will hit you certainly, but Sherry, if he's still around, uh, certainly no one would ever question the courage of Jake Gensel, but he's limited. He's a smaller guy. I think they need more physicality. And of course, if Kessel's still on the team, you're not going to get it from him. Except for Matt Murray, the Penguins' core is 30-something, Stan. Is that a concern? 
it is, um, but not for this year. Uh, I don't think that we really have seen much of a state of decline in any of the core players. I mean, Latang obviously did not have a good season, but I don't think that's because of his age. Uh, we didn't see a decline from Sid uh, or, or Malkin. Um, Kessel, we saw a great regular season, which is why I think, unless there's issues with Sullivan, that they won't trade him, although I'm sure they'll listen. Um, it's not like somebody would call up and say, hey, uh, Jim, we want to talk to you about Sid. Well, click. Uh, I, I think if somebody called and said, look, we have some interest in Kessel, what would it take? I think he'd listen. Uh, but I don't think that he's in a state of decline physically. I don't think they're in a state of decline physically. Yeah, they're all over 30, but despite what happened against the Capitals, I think you have to look at fatigue in that regard. It, it just doesn't translate from the regular season to the playoffs. Nobody had a decline, and if they did, it wasn't because they were 30 years of age. It looks like the Washington Capitals are going to win the Stanley Cup, Stan. I guess all they ever had to do was beat the Penguins, right? You know, the surprising thing about them, and I'll give them some credit here, I honestly thought that once they beat the Penguins, that it would be such a load off of their shoulders and their minds that they would have a setback and a letdown against Tampa Bay. I thought it would be natural. Well, to their credit, they didn't. They used the Penguin series as a springboard, um, and... They're playing, they may not be the best team in hockey, but they're playing the best hockey right now, and that's what it takes to win the Cup. Did Vegas just run out of luck, run out of gas? What's happened with the Golden Knights? Because last night, I saw this in the headlines somewhere, Stan, it was the first time they looked like an expansion team, ever. Yeah, uh, it, it looks like they, they're a bit disjointed now. Um, you know what, I do think that there's part of... You know, the clock striking midnight on Cinderella. I mean, I, I do think that their, uh, their golden carriage has turned into a stagecoach. Uh, I, I, I don't want to take anything away from the Capitals. I mean, when you look at the Capitals now, they're four lines deep. They're getting better play from their defense. And look, you know, we like to torture them around here, but Braden Holtby is a top-quality goaltender. It's all come together for them. So, I mean, they're the biggest part of it, but I do think that sometimes when you puncture a balloon, the bigger it is, the faster it deflates. And, and I really think, uh, again, without taking any credit away from Washington, I do think that Cinderella, the ball, you know, the, the clock strike midnight, the ball's over. Stan, I want to get back to baseball for one second before I let you go. I was very sad to see Bruce Keeson pass yeah. uh, away on Saturday, the Pirate pitcher. He was a real throwback even for his era. Stan, we talk about how tough athletes are. This guy was 6'4", 178, and he instilled fear in batters. He really did. Um, by the way, there's going to be a moment of silence for Bruce tonight at the ballpark, and we're going to televise it live uh, on the pregame show. Um, he was really a good guy, um, and he was fierce. Um, and you know everybody remembers the seventy-one. Well, maybe you don't remember the seventy-one World Series. And the analogy was made: if that business with the Cubs and Bruce Keeson would have been on the mound, believe me, business would have been taken care of. Uh, he, he he's a guy who would, would take care of business. Um, he, uh, he he he. Uh, you'll remember this, Mark. He was the guy who was pitching a no hitter against San Diego at Three Rivers, ground ball down the third baseline. Um, it was ruled a hit by Dan Donovan, who was keeping score, the official score for the Pittsburgh Press. He was the beat writer back then. He called it a base hit. Some thought it should have been an error. And Keeson let loose on Dan Donovan in the locker room after the game. I was there, and from that point on, neither paper. 
paper would allow their writers to be the official scorer anymore because <laughs> Keeson let loose on him. I think Bruce would later apologized to Dan Donovan, who was about five foot four and a really nice guy. But that was Bruce's nature. I mean, he was he was really a tough competitor. And uh, I would see him down at spring training. Um, and he was just, he just, you know, as, as tough as he was, as much of an edge he played with, he really was a solid human being, a really strong personality and a strong person. Um, I feel, you know, very badly that his life ended too soon, especially with the long battle with cancer that he had. Well, Stan, what I'll never forget is I was a 10-year-old kid at Game 4 in the 1971 World Series, which was, of course, the first night game in series history, and he allowed a hit and six in the third, but he intimidated the Orioles to the point where I'm not sure they ever recovered in the series, and among the three batters he hit, Stan, he hit Frank Robinson right in the nuts. There, there's, there's no nice way to put it. That's what happened, and it was glorious. Well, you know, that, you know, that he did intimidate them. And the other one that I, I remember distinctly, uh, I believe was, I think it was 76. Um, he got into a big brawl with the Phillies. And, oh, Mike Schmidt, 77. Yeah, 77. He hit Mike Schmidt, and Schmidt says, you do that again, and I'll be coming after you. And Keeson said to him, why don't you do it now? And he and he did. He came out to the mound, and I remember Willie Stargell got in there as a peacemaker and hurt his elbow and was lost for a number of games that season. It was I, I, I was there. It was a big fracas, and it was all because Keeson was, like you said, he was 6'4". I mean, Mike Schmidt was a bruiser. Um, and he said, yeah, come on out. Let's you know take a piece of this if you want. Um, it was, you know, and that was back in the days when, you know, baseball brawls actually threw punches. Stan, great stuff. I'll see you Thursday on your program. All right, Mark. Thanks very much. That's Stan Savard. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Up next, going to talk to Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, what's your take on the Capitals uh, beating the bejesus out of Vegas last night, 6-2, and on the James Neal miss of an empty net about five minutes in that clearly set the tempo for Washington coming back after being outplayed badly, I thought, early in the game, but Vegas just couldn't put the puck in the net. Yeah, I guess every team has nights like that, Mark, and you're right. When uh, James Neal got the puck there with that instance, I thought it was absolutely buried. I was pretty much up out of my seat, and when it hit the post and clanged off, I thought, oh, no. you know, um, Boy, right away the Capitals turned it on, and that's what teams are dealing with this year. The Capitals are all sorts of offensive firepower. The defense is much better than it was last year, and Holtby, Holtby's backing it all up. Well, yeah, but Bob, let me let me. You said that the defense is better than last year. I think the defense is playing better than last year, but they lost a key component in Carl Alsner. Now they are fortunate. Dmitry Orlov has mm-hmm. come out of. I don't want to say nowhere because he was always considered to be uh, better than he was last year, prospect wise. But he certainly picked up that slack. But I think they're doing more with less this year. I think their roster in each of the past two seasons was superior to the one they have now. I agree with you. And when I said better, I thought playing better also. I mean, you're getting better play from Brooks Orpik. Orlov back. He's playing well. Kempney is scoring for them. Um, boy, Carlson is a stud that everybody knows he is. Uh, 
They just look much better. And also, Mark, you and Stan just talked about it. The Capitals are more physical than I ever remember them being. Uh, whether it's just a, a hint of dirtiness from Oshie. Um, you know, I love the James Neal reverse check. And then <laughs> when I saw the one from Oshie last night, maybe a little bit high. But if I'm going to enjoy the one from James Neal and think that, wow, that's a heads-up play, hit him first. Well, yeah, it, it immobilized Colin Miller for a second, and, and Washington took advantage and scored while he was hurt. Broke his nose. You know, that's he couldn't see, he said, for a second. Plus, he had that bloody nose, and one of the one of those little tubes came shooting out later on when he went back in. They had to stop play again. I thought there was going to be a penalty there. Um, but, boy, he – oh, she's – I don't like to say I like him, but I like what he does. Uh, he scores. He's having a good series, certainly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and he's every making way the around. right pass, the right play, just about every time. Now, uh, how do we feel about the Penguins having lost to the Capitals? And specifically, now that Murray statistically is the best goalie in this postseason in games against the Capitals, and Flurry's getting shot full of holes, I'm not saying that puts a different spin on that debate, but maybe to some critics of Murray, it should. No, it'll get some people chirping, absolutely. And some people will, you know, hold on to what you just said there and make it the main part of their argument. But I have no problem with the Penguins losing to the Capitals this year. They can't win the cup every single year. Things are going right for the Capitals right now. And again, we talked about it. Holpe is backing that up. Ovi is, is being Ovi. Like I said, Oshie has stepped it up. Backstrom is Backstrom. You know, he sets up a lot of those plays. They've got the offense. The defense is playing better. They're scoring on special teams. Uh, the goaltender is top-notch right now. And the Penguins, they got nothing from their third and fourth lines. The Stars were scoring nothing else with the Capitals. You don't see that right now. They've got scoring up and down all four lines and from the defense. That's what put them over the top. Is there any way Vegas digs out? Well, other than the numbers you're seeing about what the Capitals have done in the past and how many times they've blown it. Yeah, they, they've led series three games to one 12 times and only won seven. They're seven and five. Which that. is a horrible percentage uh, given that advantage. Yeah, so I guess I could say you're telling me there's a chance, uh, but not much of a good one. I, I think that the Capitals, they do win it at home. I don't think they win in Vegas tomorrow night, but I think they win it at home. Just too much for the uh, Golden Knights to come back from that because, like I said, Capitals are firing on all cylinders right now. Let's say the Knights uh, lose in five, or that they just lose, period, as it looks like they will do. Does that ruin the story of the expansion team who had this great first season? Hell no, Mark. They're having a parade, win or lose, so. Well, that's just stupid, but what's, what's stupid. your take on that? I mean, I mean, I still think it's unbelievable what happened, but them not winning... It, it does take the sheen off, but I'm sorry, it, it just but does. just a little bit. Just a little no, bit. No, no, a lot, actually. You think so? I, well, I, I, I Put it this way. I think if they lost, say, in the conference final, nobody would have looked at it, you know, kind of sideways. Right. But now getting into the final, so close to not winning, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not diminishing or criticizing. It's just not the same or even close to the same. Well, the way I'll look at it is it was just an it would have been an absolute hell of a run if they had just gotten to the conference finals and lost there, but it's even more so I think this is just the cherry on the Sunday for them getting into the cup finals and if they only win one game in their first year mark in the cup finals, that is still a crazy story. Um the way they put that team together, the way, you know, you talked about James Neal coming out in late October, early November, 
saying this group of guys can win this. We can get to the playoffs. We can win with this team. Um, I don't think anybody else in the league other than maybe some Vegas Golden Knights people saw that coming. I think good story all the way around. Well, hey, well Bob, the great thing about this is I feel bad for Flurry, feel bad for Ango, feel sure. bad for, for Nealer, Perone too. Uh, I'm going to feel happy for Brooks Orpik. I hadn't thought much about it, but to win Stanley Cups that far apart on both ends of a rivalry, that's a relatively unique accomplishment, but I don't feel bad for the Vegas Golden Knights Twitter, <laughs> which has finally at long last shut the frig up. No, I agree with you. Uh, even they were silent last night. I saw Tim Benz had a, a pretty unique take on it today. I guess late in the third period last night, Vegas Golden Knights Twitter tweeted out something to the effect of, we have no words right now. And everybody jumped on that. Like, really? You've been pretty mouthy since you came into the league. But good for Brooks Orpik. Um, I still like the guy, even though he's wearing the red of the Capitals. Um, I don't want to say good for Ovi, but yeah, he absolutely deserves the cup right now. And I will never say good for Wilson. He's still a piece of crap. That's Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. In just a moment... We're going to talk about the turning point of last night's game. The turning point in the series was Holtby saving game two. The turning point to last night's game, well, check out the video on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com, and we'll talk about it in 30 seconds right here on the X.